Thank you very much. Please be seated. And uh, Fanny Crosby, when she wrote about her submission, it was complete. It was amazing. Uh, this blind woman, her submission to God was such that she would go to the worst parts of New York City to sing and read poems. And she'd easily be with a pastor to preach. She'd go to the jails, everywhere like that. God watched over her and never was harmed. Nothing ever happened to her in those regards. So uh, her faith in the Lord was really great and was really, really rewarded. We are blessed. Don't know if she would have been the, the hymn writer she was if she would not been blown. Um, anyway, the Lord knows all about that. Let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter number 1. We're, we're going, making our way verse by verse through the Gospel of Luke. So we are looking at things that uh, most normally are covered in the month of December, and that's okay. That's better than okay. That's great. Um, sometimes I wonder when people come around, you know, call it Christmas, Resurrection time, Easter time, and we talk about these things, and I wonder if they think that we're like so many others, and we bring them out and then put them back in the closet till next year. We don't intend to do that. We do not. Um, these are truths that our, our, lives, our lives are based upon. And so, in Luke chapter number 1, we'll pick it up in verse 39. Right? Verse number 39. And there are quite a lengthy passage, and we'll read down through verse 56. And then we'll take a look at these wonderful verses of praise um, to the Lord. And uh, reminding of some uh, more prophecies. And so Luke one thirty nine, the Bible says, And Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For, for lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats, and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months, and returned to her own house. And then the next verse says, Now, right, so that's the next thing we'll see is, is the birth of John the Baptist. We'll save that for next time. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time we could have in thy word. We thank thee for it. Pray for the help of the Holy Spirit. And just, Lord, bless your word to each heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today, as I mentioned earlier, in this message, in this passage of scripture, we will see a lot of blessing and praising God um, by Elizabeth, by Mary, and even by John the Baptist, while he's still in the room. And we're going to center on all those things and give them their due today, hopefully. Um, among the hundreds of references in the Bible about praising God, and I might even be short on that, there may be thousands, but um, Psalm 92, 1, part of the passage we read for Scripture reading says this, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. And of course, that's referring to God overall. Over and and um, you know, as we said, the book of Psalms is all about praising God. And in fact, it was the hymn book of, the, of, old, of Israel. Um, and the New Testament uses the word psalm um, to depict a sacred song, a song sung to the Lord, uh, accompanied by 
musical accompaniment. The word psalm, as it's translated, is a word that means to strum. And of course, in, in the Old Testament, with tab- tabernacle and the temple, they had a lot of stringed instruments and other kind of instruments. And so uh, we are to praise the Lord. Not, and not just here. That, that David said, I will, I will praise the Lord among the nations, among the heathen. I will sing to him before all people. And so uh, we need to let that, let that be known. Uh, let that song that's in our hearts and uh, be brought out onto the, into the outside. Um, so it's because of Psalm 92 in particular in our text in Luke 1 uh, that I really want to emphasize praise in our service this morning. And so I trust it's been a blessing already to sing these great hymns of praise to the Lord. Um, you know, Fanny Crosby, this is my soul, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long, all the day long. And now why do we need to do that? So spirit-led or spirit-filled praise is our subject this morning. All right, so let's take a look, first of all, at Mary's journey. Now, we, we saw last week that... Um, the angel Gabriel came to Mary in the sixth month, sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And so Mary is on her way. She, she goes to visit Elizabeth. Um, and God was, was absolutely in this journey. Everything, I mean, specifically, we're, we're talking about today, right? We're talking about our passage for today. Everything that went on in this passage, verses 39 to 56, was absolutely led of God and for for divine purposes. And and obviously one of those purposes is so that it could be be recorded so that we could write it down so so we could have it today and be encouraged by the great things and be challenged by the great things that took place in this passage of Scripture. Um, in the hill country into a city of Judah. Now because Zacharias was one of the priests, it very well could have been, even though it doesn't say so here, it could have been the city of Hebron, which was a priestly city. If that's the case, it doesn't really matter exactly what city, but at any rate, the journey was about 90 miles from Nazareth. Uh, so Mary journeyed there to see Elizabeth, a journey of several days, all right? So it wasn't just uh, going across the street, okay? But that, and notice what it says here also. It says, Mary was in those days and went to the hill country uh, with haste, to a city of Judah, with haste, uh, wanting to see Elizabeth, to rejoice with her, to encourage her, um, and no doubt to share with her the tidings that she had received of the angel. Remember, Gabriel told Mary not only that she was going to have a child, which is certainly the greatest news ever given, and it was going to be the Son of God, his name would be Jesus, but also that Elizabeth, her cousin, her relative, Elizabeth, her kin, was also going to have a child. By by the grace of God, um, for with God nothing shall be impossible, was Gabriel's message to Mary. And so she went. The Bible says that... um, she went into the city there in verse 40. She entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Right. Now, and I want to I give you this, 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 the salutation. In the Bible, when you see the word salutation, if somebody salutes somebody, it's not just, hi, nice to see you. All right? Now, let me give you a sample. This, I have this book. It's really neat. This is an old, old book. It's about ready to fall apart, but I love it. Um, it's called Palestine Speaks. And it talks, it, it takes some of the sayings of the Bible and kind of expounds upon what, what was actually, what was going on in that part of the world. And one of those statements is when Jesus said, salute no man along the road. Now that would have been absolutely contrary to the Jewish tradition. But in one book, Jesus said, well, just do this. Here's what I want you to do. And don't say it now. Just go. And there was a time when Elijah sent his servant to try to raise the woman's son from the dead. And Elijah said, if any man salute thee, answer him not. Now just go. This is so urgent. Well, that sounds rude, right? Well, here's, here's a sample of just one salutation that would, have, that would have happened. This is two men. A and B. <laughs> A and B, like these guys are moving on the road. So I'm just going to say it. It starts off with man number one. Man number A, he says, Blessed is he that cometh. Response, and you twice blessed. 
Here's your health. Walk by your favor. By the favor of God. God is merciful. How does your work? Praise be to God. How is your father? He sends you his greetings. I have been longing to see him, and he still more. Can I do anything for you? The Lord prolong your days. The Lord be with you. May you have peace. All right? And that, that's just a sample of a, of a common greeting. Um, let me say that this was no common greeting. I don't think that Mary and Elizabeth inquired regarding each other's fathers and all that sort of thing. Obviously, Mary came and, and, and announced, the, announced with the angel. And along with the, probably the, the shalom, which means is more than just peace. That's the, that's the rough translation, but it had a lot more to do about it. We had net, net well-being and all those kinds of things. And so at any rate, she salutes Elizabeth, gave her a greeting. And again, I, I have no doubt that she shared with her right away why she was there, the purpose of a visit. And what shall we tell her? Now, how do we know that? Well, because verse 41 says, And it came to pass... That when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe, that is little John the Baptist, not even born yet, the babe leaped in her womb. Right? And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But I do want us to think about this baby, the babe, John the Baptist, leaping in her womb. Okay? Look at verse 44. This is, again, this is Elizabeth. We're going, to get, we're going to cover this more in a minute, but I just want us to go there. Verse 44, For now, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Now, we know that Elizabeth is saying the absolute truth. She wasn't just being emotional. She wasn't just caught up in the moment because... Verse 41 says at the end, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And that means that she was saying the exact words. She was under the influence, under the control of the Holy Spirit. So what she said was exactly the Holy Spirit's words. All right? All right, so, so just now, back to Luke one fifteen. Part of the promise, part of the word that Gabriel came to, gave to Zacharias is this. Speaking about this son, speaking about the one who would be named John, who would be called John the Baptist. Verse 15, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. See that? And there's a fulfillment of that. See, God, this isn't just something, you know, that, that said. It's something that was very important and very vital and, and something that is carried on, something that is carried out. And so right from inside the mother's womb, the babe leaped for joy. For joy. Now I'll remind you a couple of things. According to Galatians 5, and 23, joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Part of the Spirit. Um, the word joy in Luke one forty four, the word translated joy there means great joy, delight, exaltation, exuberant joy. Right, this little guy was just like that. He was the, the Spirit of God filled him, and I have it written down here somewhere. <laughs> um, I think I did. Anyway, back the. Um, this, these words here in the scripture confirm what doctors have discovered about what babies in the womb are capable of. I have said the Bible confirms their discovery, all right? Not the discovery confirms the Bible, because it's the other way around. The Bible confirms the discoveries. The Bible said it way before any doctor ever realized what unborn children can do. And I'll never forget my wife and I one time, I think it was after Sunday night service, we, we found out there was a documentary it was going to be on about this, the doctors who, who performed very serious heart surgery on a child that was still inside the womb. And so it, 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 they didn't just cover that. They covered the whole line of things that, that unborn children do inside the womb. And of course, you moms, you ladies that have had babies, you know how they kick and they do all these kinds of things. Well, they're finding out um, a bunch of other things that they do. Um, and they, they express emotion. They feel pain. Um, one of the worst things, I, I mean, I, I felt like I need to do this, but way, way back, I think it was in the 80s, 
after saying that service, I shared a video to our church family about what was called the silent scream. And it was about what happens to an, a child that's, that's being aborted. All right? And they didn't take the lead of all the graphics, but they did enough. And they did show pictures of these children uh, actually trying to get away, trying to, to get away from because somehow they knew that this was not a good thing. And it just, it just it, the things that they did. And so, uh, and this is his, his example of a wonderful thing. You know, John, leaping for joy. Jumping for joy, all right? Exuberant joy. Again, it's a word that's a little, it's beyond, it's a stronger word than the word that's usually trans, translated joy. The Bible also makes it very clear that joy is not an emotion. Uh, joy is a work of the Spirit of God. It is, and someone, the word that is translated joy most normally is the idea of an inner delight. It's not necessarily hilariety. You know, it's not that. You know, some Christians are going to be joyful and you paint a smile. That's not joy. In fact, someone has said this, the joy in the Bible is a, is a word that expresses absolute contentment and satisfaction with what God has done. And the, the word that's used in Philippians is basically saying, it says rejoice in the Lord. That's, that's, the, that's the joy. That's the Christian joy. It's in the Lord. It's in His Word. It's what we have in Him. And it has nothing to do with outer circumstances. Right? That's why Paul and Silas, after being whipped and put in stocks, could pray and sing praises. They didn't sing lamentations to the Lord. They sang praises. That's why it talks about the churches in Macedonia in their deep poverty. They gave generously with joy and riches, it says, of liberality. So joy is something that's within. And of course, if we have it within, it's got to come out, however it will. <clears throat> All right, we need to get going here. Uh, Elizabeth's blessing. All right, let's, t- let's take a look at Elizabeth now a little more closely. And it came to pass, that verse 41, when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. All right? Holy Spirit. Actually, in the, in the King James Version, Holy Ghost is the official title of the Holy Spirit. It has a, it, and, of course, Holy, Holy is the emphasis of that. He's the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost of God, and that's referring to his deity and all those things. And so he's the one, he's the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit that fills us. And he filled Elizabeth. And what did she do? Did she get down and slither like a snake and bark like a dog and laugh hysterically and, and do gibberish and all that sort of stuff that so many people equate? You know, is it, it's, it's incredible. God in heaven must shake his head when he knows that there's been the last revival and there's been this and that it's a bunch of garbage it has nothing to do with the spirit of God what did Elizabeth do? she simply spoke and what did she say? My, she said some great things actually she basically said the same thing that Gabriel said to Mary exact words blessed art thou among women Luke, Luke chapter 1 and verse uh, 28 the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Same thing, exactly. Alright? Reminds me of 1 Corinthians 1.10, the apostle said that ye all speak the same thing. Alright? There needs to be agreement among the people of God. We need to make sure that we're on the same page, so to speak, scripturally and biblically. But he said the same thing. I mean, she said the same thing that he said to Mary. And the blessing, blessed art your blessing is the fruit of thy womb. And Jesus said, Therefore that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And Jesus and came and ruled. I mean, that was all the message that we looked at um, uh, uh, last week about, <clears throat> about Mary, about the, uh, Gabriel's message to her. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And then she also expresses, remember, she's speaking under 
the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so she expresses humility. And then says this to me, Why would you come to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, her humility is great. But what she said is even greater. She refers to Mary, the mother of my Lord. Now, the Jewish people were looking for the Lord. They were looking for the Lord to appear. In several places in the Old Testament, the, the, the Lord shall appear, the desired nation shall come. And of course, that here she's referring to the Messiah. She's referring to the Deliverer. She's referring to the Savior. The mother of my Lord shall come to me. And yes, Mary was the mother of, the, of Jesus. Human, the humanity. Please remember, I'm sure you know this, that she was not the mother of deity. She's not the mother of God. She's the mother of the Son of God. And, and so it's his humanity. And so Elizabeth recognizes that, that fact. The mother of my Lord. And then for Lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And in verse 45, and blessed is she that believed. And Mary believed the message from Gabriel, which ultimately was the message from God. Gabriel was the, the messenger. And she believed, and she would be blessed for there shall be a performance. In other words, God's going to do exactly what he said. The things which were told her from the Lord. Right? So in other words, obviously it was the word of God. Gabriel was sent from God. But Gabriel's word was not his word. Right? It was God's word. Alright? The word that I am speaking to you today is not my word. It's God's word. Right? We need to understand that. I hope I think we do. Now I want us to I want to make a reference to that in um, Acts chapter ten. You can turn there, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. Um, it says this. This is Cornelius when Peter comes in. Now Cornelius had never met Peter, he had never heard him preach, he had never didn't know him at all, but the angel came and told Cornelius, you send men to Joppa and inquire for Peter, have him come, he's going to give you a message. And so here's what Cornelius said when Peter comes in. Immediately therefore I sent to thee, is what Cornelius said, Acts 10.33, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. So again, Cornelius knew that Peter's word was not Peter's word. <laughs> Peter's message was not Peter's message. It was God's message. By the way, what had Cornelius been doing in the meantime? Going out and gathering all his neighbors and friends. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time you invited somebody to church? I mean, Cornelius, he just got them all together. I'm, I'm seriously, when, 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 when? All right, back to Luke chapter 1. Okay. Back to Luke chapter 1. There shall be a performance. There, yes, there certainly will. Everything God says in his word, he will perform. All right, so Elizabeth speaks. Now Mary speaks in Luke 1, 46. Here's Mary's praise. Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, comma, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. You know this. The Bible says that mankind, human beings, are made up of spirit, soul, and body. And here Mary refers to two of those parts, my soul and my spirit. And they're both immaterial. Um, but they're not exactly the same. Sometimes in the Bible the word soul means life or human being. But in this case it's, it's more than that. Here it's what is known as the seat of personality. Um, it is the part of us that is, is, contains or is our intellect, our emotions, and our will. And yes, we do have all those. We have intellect, we have emotion, we have will. 
And so emotion is not always wrong, okay? We have to be careful of our, of our emotions. They too need to be guided by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God. And, and then, um, so some have, and I'm talking about believers though, I'm not talking about the world because I don't care about what they say. I really don't. I don't care what the psychologists and all these other ones say. Um, but they, could, they consider our soul to be our self-consciousness. Our soul makes us aware of our surroundings, our environment, and so forth. All right? And so that part of Mary, she magnified the Lord from her soul. Again, she was overjoyed with it. Now, what she realized is that what God is going to do. And in verse 47, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. The spirit is that immaterial part of a human being that can respond to God. It has been, it has been defined as our God consciousness. So when the Bible says, before we're saved, we're dead in sin. What is dead? The spirit is dead. That part of us that's God conscious and can, can communicate with God, pray to God, worship God, that part is inactive, it's dormant, because it's, it's, it's because when Adam and Eve sinned, they, they fell spiritually first. Now, because when a person is saved, the Bible says we, we're, we're born again. We're regenerated. That's, that's really the birth of our spirit. And it makes us able to communicate with God. And so the spirit, according to the Bible, says things like this, the spirit of the man will sustain his infirmity. It's because the spirit of the spirit is, is where God works and deals. And, and so the spirit can, in a sense, control and overrule, overrule the soul and body. In fact, when Paul, Paul said that, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, I keep under my body. I, I control my body. I don't want my body doesn't control me. Now he does that, of course, through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. So Mary is giving this um, praise and she's rejoicing. But notice who she rejoices in. Does she say, my spirit hath rejoiced in God my son? No. She says, God my Savior. Now, class, who needs a Savior? Right? Sinners need a Savior. Now, I'm almost feel like I'm going to get stoned some places, but that's all right. Mary, can I say it? Yes. You say, I say it with me. Mary was a sinner. I mean, she was a godly young woman, but she was a sinner. There, there's, there's only been one, you say, I get, yeah, there's only been one perfect person ever, and that's Jesus Christ. Adam and Eve started out innocent, but they soon became uninnocent, right? They became sinners. So Mary was not perfect. She was not sinless. Or she wouldn't have said, my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. And yes, there had to come a point in her life when she trusted in her own son as her personal savior. She just didn't get in automatically because she was the mother of Jesus. Now she was already godly woman, part of the remnant, all that. But still, the time came when that Old Testament remnant that was alive in Jesus' day, that wasn't good enough. They had to turn to Christ. And they would find salvation. That's, we see that in the book of Acts because different ones went around here. Paul especially, he found these disciples, right? And they didn't know about the Holy Spirit. They didn't know about Jesus. And so, that, so the Lord preached to them. I mean, Peter, Paul preached to them, the Lord through Paul, and they were saved. In fact, it tells later in Acts chapter 11 that the, one of the things that, that Peter said to the people in Jerusalem was that when he came to Cornelius, Cornelius said, the angel told me to send for you and that you will tell me words whereby I and my house shall be saved. See, Cornelius was a godly man, a Gentile who believed in the true God, but that wasn't enough after Jesus came. He had to then turn to Christ. And so did Mary. She had to acknowledge Jesus Christ as her Lord 
and Savior. All right. Well, let's continue on to what she has to say. Um, for he hath regarded, and this is still more talking, talking about God, he hath regarded, he's, he's looked upon uh, the low estate of his handmaiden. Low estate simply means low or humble state. Spiritually, but also it means status-wise. It means in the society in which they live. And later on, when, after Jesus was born, and they came to present him to the Lord in the temple, they offered the offering of the poor because they couldn't afford a lamb. Right? They offered the turtle dove and, and so on, pigeons, the offering of the poor. Right? And then she says, she goes, let's see what else she says. He hath regarded the lowest that is had made, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. And we do. She was blessed by God. We have to be careful not to take her beyond what the word of God says. All right? She's not divine. She was not conceived without sin, as, 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 there's some, as, as, as erroneously declared today. I read a few years ago in the Penny Savior, there was an, they put some things in there. Um, and I, maybe it wasn't there, but it was a prayer to Mary, and so on. That was there. But I also remember somebody writing, somebody saw vision somewhere, and it was Mary appearing and saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, that, that was the Holy Spirit, right? No, that was the unholy spirit. That was the devil that produced that so-called vision, because Mary's not the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. All right. We've got to put her in a place. Keep her in a place, I should say. Now, for he that is mighty, verse 49, hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And Mary recognizes his holiness and his plan and his work. Um, what, greater, what greater thing could there be to produce and send forth a virgin-born, only begotten Son of God to be the Savior of the world. Nothing, nothing greater. Nothing at all. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. I don't know if you're taking notes or not, but alongside these 50, you ought to write the word remnant. Because that's exactly what he's talking about. And as we find prophesied, and as we find in history, even in the Old Testament, that did, just didn't include only Jews. There were Gentiles. Remember the story of the book of Esther? And what it says about the people of Persia? Many of the people of the land became Jews. In other words, the Gentiles turned to the God of Israel and became Jews. What does that mean? How did you become a Jew in the Old Testament? You ever hear of circumcision? That's how you became a Jew, if you're a man, of course. <laughs> uh, so the words of person became a Jew meant they took upon themselves the things the Jews did about at the command of God. And so generation to generation, verse 51, he hath showed strength in his arm. The, God, the Bible talks about God's arm, and of course it's a mighty arm, a strong arm, and it's, it's the, the idea of him as doing mighty things. Again, can I say this is the greatest thing that God ever did was sending forth his only begotten son. Um, he hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Again, these are some prophecies. What God is doing and what God's going to do ultimately through his son. Yes, he will bless and he will save those who receive him. Those who will reject him are going to come under his wrath and judgment. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. And that's true all over, all, all throughout history, all throughout the Bible, all throughout New Testament here. First Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible says, God hath not called many mighty. He doesn't say any, but he says not many. Abraham Lincoln said, God must have loved common people. He made so many of us. And that's us, right here today. I don't know if you like that or don't like it, but I do. We're, we're just all, we're all commoners. We're common people. We're lowly. We're, we're people of low degree. That if we're saved, God has, has raised us up. 
James said this, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in what is exalted, that the rich of what is made low. <laughs> it's kind of interesting that when God saves some people, he elevates them. <laughs> and then when he saves other people, he, you know, de-elevates them. You know, he brings them down because that's what has to happen. The rich have to be brought down. Lest they trust in that. 53, he hath fed the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath set empty away. Mary's words there might be a reference to a young woman who had hoped they would be the one. Because the prophecy is clear in the Old Testament that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. So it just might be part of this, and in fact I'm sure it is, that Mary said well, he could have chosen anybody else, but he picked me, a lowly, a poor virgin girl. Of course, anybody who would have to be a virgin to be the mother of Jesus. He hath, he hath sent the empty way. He, didn't, he, he rejected them. He hath hoped in their help to serve in Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. All throughout the book of Psalms. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Um, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And God continued to pass the word. He spoke it. First he actually spoke it to the devil in the Garden of Eden about this, the one who would deceive the woman, who would destroy the serpent. And then he spoke it to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. He spoke it to Moses, to David, and so many of those Old Testament saints. And now he's saying, Mary's, what Mary's saying is that he is keeping his promise. And, and again, right there's again more evidence that people should have picked up on that this child is the fulfilled promise of the Messiah. And he and so he said, Mary says, this is what he's doing. This is why I'm I'm carrying a child. And verse 56 it says, Mary abode with her about three months. And returned to her own house. She was back to Nazareth, and Elizabeth is about ready to deliver. Now, I consider the possibility Mary might have stayed there to help with the birth, but it seems to me, that, I mean, this is just my thought, that can't be dogmatic, but verse 57, beginning with the word now, would mean that Mary went back, and then, then was the time. But be it as it may, Elizabeth's time came, and that's what we're going to pick up. Lord willing. Um, next week. So one last passage of scripture, if you would please, and then we're done, and that's Ephesians chapter 5. Because I don't want us to forget that what happened here in Luke 1, verses 39 to 56, was a working of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost. Now I just want to end the message this morning with a reminder of one passage, and there's, there's others that talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And this is one of those areas. I mean, it's true of every area. We, we have to let the Word of God be our authority. And we need to get everything we believe straight from the Scriptures. But there is a lot of confusion, as there has been for a long time, about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Right? I've heard of people men and women who claim to be filled with the Spirit, leaving their families, leaving their husband, leaving their wife, being drunks, being all kinds of things. Now, I'm filled with the Spirit because I've done this, this, and this. Well, just a couple minutes, I promise, we're not to go long. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Notice what it says. Be not, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And again, that word means to be under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit. Alright? Now, <clears throat> notice that there's a semicolon at the end of verse 18 after Spirit, which means what follows is explanation or examples or people love to see this today. They say this today. What being filled with the Spirit looks like. Okay, I, I, I'll accept that. It's kind of a modern day term. But So what does it look like when a person is filled with the Spirit? Notice verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So a Spirit-fed Christian will be singing. 
to the Lord. Verse 20, a spirit-filled Christian will be thankful, giving thanks always to all things, for all things. The word thanks here means the whole realm of benefits, and, the, and so on. Verse 21 through chapter 6, verse 4, or verse 5, actually. Actually, down to verse 8. Verse 9, <laughs> keep going a little bit. A spirit-filled Christian is a submissive Christian. Now, let's, let, I emphasize that because these are what we consider mundane. These are everyday things. These are normal earthly relationships. And the point is, we can't do them. We can't be these things unless we're controlled by the Holy Spirit. So it talks about the husband, the wife, the parents, the children, the, the masters, the servants, the employees, the employees. Um, we can't do these things without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so, but I guess that might even be looking at it backwards. I don't, I don't know. But simply say this, a believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit, this is how he or, this is how he or she will live. Alright? So we have, we, have to forget, we have to get out of our minds, always think about the filling of the Spirit being some spectacular manifestations. Alright? You hardly ever see that even in the New Testament. It's almost always they simply spoke or they did something. We need to understand that. And so how do we know? See, that's the, God hasn't left us in the dark. He tells us right in the scriptures. How to follow the meaning of the Spirit. And so, like Elizabeth, she just simply gave a message. She spoke. All right, anyway. So may God help us. And thank God for the working, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And as we try to be a witness, as we try to tell people about Christ, as we try to live our lives, we understand we can't, we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Think about this, and I'm not going to enlarge on it today, but when you get home or something, take your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians 12, and the Bible says we can't even say Jesus is the Lord. I just said it. And the Bible says we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Because it's just, it's totally unnatural. Anyway, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll sing a couple of verses, and then we'll going to the uh, Lord's table. All right. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the truth of the word of God. And, and it's unreasonable. The book of Romans uses the word reasonable, which means logical. Lord, you, you don't call us to do things that are ridiculous or absurd. You call us to do that which is just, which is, which is um, peaceful and, and is, is, is uh, very much observable and very much in submission to the word of God. How we thank thee for Mary and Elizabeth, their testimonies we've looked at today. And even the first thing here, the first action of John the Baptist, still inside his mother, weeping for joy. So Father, thank you so much for the word today and I look forward, I'm just so excited, anticipating what, what how you're going to bless as we continue going through this great book of Luke. And Lord, I pray that we would use it as I prepare in my life and then to use it in the congregation and others that may be listening in, Lord, please just use your word to do great and mighty things. And we'll thank you for it. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you live for Jesus and be always pure and good? Would you walk with him, with him then never Would you have him bear your burden, carry all your load? Let him have his way with you. His power can make you what you want to be. Blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can free your soul and you will see. Twas best for him to have his way with me. All right, thank you very much. And you may be seated for just a moment. We're going to enter into the observance of the Lord's table. Hopefully when we're finished with these, we'll be able to get back to the normal way, if you want to call it that. I don't know if you're supposed to use normal today or not, but um, go back to that way of distributing the elements and so forth. But uh, we, will, we will use these for a while yet. 
We know that the Lord Jesus, the Bible says um, in other passages, that the night that he was betrayed, Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, Jesus took bread, and the Bible says as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new of you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. So again, the Lord Jesus, the very night that he was going to be betrayed and arrested and taken to, tr- to trial, and then the next day crucified for us. Body would be broken, his blood would be shed. He's giving the disciples an object lesson here, a reminder, a, pro- a prophetic statement concerning what was going to happen. Again, to turn their attention away from for that the Passover lamb in Egypt to the Passover, the Lord Jesus Christ. They understood that eventually, and they've understood it for centuries. All right, Bible believers have understood down through the centuries that the juice and the bread are just symbols of Jesus' body and blood. They don't become his body. There's no salvation. There's no merit in them. It's a time of fellowship, a time of remembrance, and yes, a time of self-examination. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to take a few moments and of silent prayer and, uh, and self-examination. The Bible tells us that we ought to examine ourselves and then eat, um, then eat of the cup, or eat of the bread and drink of the cup. All right? So let's go to the Lord in prayer. still bowed in prayer, Brother Bruce, would you please lead us and ask God's blessing on his, the bread and the cup. said, take eat. This is my body. said, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And then the scripture says, when we had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. We're not going out into the Mount of Olives, but we're going out into the mission field. And so let's turn to number 118. 118, and let's stand please and sing, When I Survey the Wonders Cross. And that's exactly what the Lord's table is intended to do, to take us back to the cross in our mind and heart, to what took place there. And uh, remember him. Very short verse, let's sing um, all of these, uh, one of the most sublime hymns, Ever was written, and as we've pleased when we come to the third verse, think about that crown of thorns. Hebrews says that's when God crowned him with glory and honor. They meant it to be humiliation. 
God meant it for glory and honor. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches spring I count of Content on He has all. Thank you very much. You are dismissed.